0: Someone else has already said it best. This is the best. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I
1: could. Doing my best. The best.
0: The best. 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 Best.
2: Buongiorno, 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 and welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Connor Keys, alongside me as always, Ronan Kiss My Ring Mullen. <laughs> oh yes. Who we are here today with the one and only, the epic, The Godfather. Finally. Finally. We took a little bit of a break because it took that long to get the stuff together. It's not our excuse? It's,
3: yeah, that's part of the excuse. <laughs> the other side of the excuse is busy.
2: <laughs> busy 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 bees but we're here we're here we're back we're back and uh right. thank you very much for everybody who still has uh followed us on uh, on the platforms and are listening to this because most people would have went i haven't heard from them boys months so they just unfollowed us so uh, yeah it doesn't seem to be slowing down which is nice but
3: i i don't know how anybody could fucking just sit and be like oh there's just not another one this week that's
2: grand hi so uh seamless seamless <laughs> If you're new to it, grand. If you're not, sorry. <laughs> uh, so yes, if this is your first one, go back and listen. The good thing about our our, our output and our, our repertoire is mm. that it's timeless. Timeless. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the word I'm going to fucking <laughs> lazy fuckers. Yes, uh, but we have be, we have genuinely worked on this. So this is the Godfather. Mm. The uh, as always, we would request that if you haven't watched it, go and watch it first. There's we are going to spoil the spoilers. shit out of that of stuff. So we're going to
3: spoil the shit out of the fucking second one. Never mind the first one. <laughs> yeah. So just be ready.
2: Uh, so go and uh, watch it, and then come back to us and and see if you agree or disagree. So 1972, mm. The Godfather, for uh, Paramount Pictures, Francis mm. Ford Coppola. Coppola. Mm. Which do you go with, Coppola? Coppola. I say Coppola. Coppola. Uh, yeah. So this, um, based on the 1969 best-selling novel. Uh, also named the Godfather by Mario Puzo, Puzo, and uh, this is uh, well, it's entered the, the the folklore basically. This film it is so um, uh, iconic and so impactful. It's definitely. where do you start? It's hard to.
3: I was reading an article in Variety about this with anniversary happened there a few years ago, and the opening line of the article is: "There is no greater cultural." change in cinema than the Godfather. And what they meant was there's before the Godfather and then there's after the Godfather and everything followed suit. You can have what looks like a strange independent, weird film with Mm. huge actors in it and it makes a lot of money and it still holds true that it's vastly popular across numerous generations and everyone gets it and everyone has their favorite part or everyone has a great memory about watching it and that's rare that everyone is in agreement this is great it hmm. uh, doesn't happen always no definitely i've never heard anyone say a bad word about this film even people come up to me and goes it's not my favorite godfather i'm like it's not mine <laughs> yeah but that's because the second one is an undeniable masterpiece
2: yeah it's it, it it entered uh, cinema history as one of the few um there's probably a handful of maybe Debatable that the sequel is better than original, again, and again, that's that's a testament to this film. Yeah, to an original that is unbelievable. Yes, that's a, that's a quite a quite a statement to make. But we will come to that when we get we to will. part two. We'll try and wade through part one um, as much as we can. <coughs> so um, the cast. I mean, we can start with with the dawn.
3: Well, we can go Don go DeVito. back even
2: further because this film was unbelievably difficult to make. Well, yes, we we can... Uh, this film... <laughs> we, we should also recommend, if you haven't seen it, to go and watch The Offer. Go and watch The Offer and...
3: Give a great not, insight. Yeah, it's not the greatest TV show ever, but it is widely accurate. Yeah. Um, and Miles Teller is a ride. Miles Teller is a ride. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I said that. So... <laughs> <laughs> the, the Offer sort of outlines the problems with this film from the start. And what it doesn't highlight, uh, n- not very loudly anyway is how they got the film Mm and how they got the book, sorry. Mm -hmm. Mario Puzo um, was a degenerate gambler (laughs) and he decided that he was going to make a book about the mafia because he was from Hell's Kitchen Mm -hmm. and he knew these people. Unfortunately, as a lot of mafiosos have highlighted in recent years, Mario Buesa didn't know an actual lot about the actual mafia. Mm-hmm, yeah. He just picked up stuff from people he knew when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of it was real. He was at Sicilian birthday parties and he knew all the rules and he was at Sicilian weddings and he knew all the rules that nobody else knew. Mm-hmm. And especially that hadn't been highlighted or talked about in any gangster yeah. in quotation films before. So his his publisher says you got to write a book about something that people are going to really hook onto because his previous books hadn't been successful so he writes what was called tentatively mafia and somebody in the publishing house that owned the rights to the book and was his publishing house had the smart idea to go to paramount and go would you be interested in option in a book about organized crime the italian end of Mm -hmm. it and but it spans a huge sort of you know landscape it's a wee bit more detailed than what we've seen before it's not a Raymond Chandler sort of crime noir book. It's a real detailed description. Yeah, because
2: that's what you in, in the phase you talk about the pre and post Godfather. Yeah, pre Godfather, mafia movies were. they were hey, God, Yeah, really. they were fucking Jewish people playing Italians, and it didn't make any sense with the violin case and Tommy guns and all. Kirk Douglas yeah.
3: played about nine, and he's Jewish. <laughs> he, he, he's not an Italian mo- anyway. So Mario Puzo agrees to sell the publishing rights. But the option is he needs 10 grand up front to pay a gambling debt, which Robert Evans ears picked up straight away mm-hmm. and went, no problem, we'll give you 80 grand if this gets made. Mm-hmm. So skip forward a few years, the film's getting made. Al Ruddy's on board to produce mm-hmm. and they're starting to pick a cast. Firstly, they got to find a fucker to write the thing. <laughs> so Francis Ford Coppola's just won the Oscar for Patton. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And they're going, this guy's a really good writer. Robert Evans is totally against him directing. 13 directors turned it down because they thought it was just an exploitation of organized crime. And the book is very crude. Mm. There's a lot of weird shit in the book that isn't in the film. So. Coppola is taken in for a meeting to talk about screenwriting, but he's then told, well, by the way, the author, Mario wants to co-write the screenplay. He's like, no, I don't co-write with anyone. It's me and me alone. They end up meeting. They both agree on a format for the film. So, Francis Four Couple then goes to pitch Robert Evans and Al Ruddy what he wants the film to be, but also to request that I direct. I want to be mm-hmm. the guy directing. I have a vision. And what he ends up proposing is a film about family. King Lear. And capitalism. Yeah, those are the three. (laughs) He doesn't mention violence. Yeah, there's
2: no mention, and no mention uh, mafia.
3: He doesn't mention, you know, and the the big story is, okay, another part of the production was, yeah, the mafia are involved in this film, like Mm. uh, Joe Colombo in particular, who's head of this Italian, anti-Italian league, who was like a fucking trust for, you know, support for Italians, and Mm -hmm. he was actually Joe Colombo, the head of the Colombo crime family. He's not like, he
2: purporting to be a union guy yeah a union yeah exactly that's the word i'm looking for sorry
3: and he um he ends up like being a consultant (laughs) slash executive producer (laughs) producer, (laughs) in name only yeah (coughs) so what happens is joe clumbo and everybody italians against this film they're against the book the books a worldwide fucking number one smash for 58 weeks or whatever it's 60 million copies is sold before the film's even written so everybody knows this book and Joe Colombo and all these Italian guys have read it and they're like, it's anti this, it's anti that. What they're actually saying out loud is they keep talking about us. Yeah. We don't want them to know we exist. <laughs> yeah. So the agreement has come to that Al Ruddy shows Joe Colombo, the hell of the crime family, the script. Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't want to read the script. I just wanted you to make sure that you were legit and you were going to let me see the script. I just asked for you to take out the words Mafia, cosa Nostra, yeah, all that out of it. And Al Ruddy shits himself because he's like, oh, I know I got to go back to Francis Four Coppola <laughs> and to the fucking writer of the book, which, by the way, was originally called
2: Mafia. That's what the name of that's The right. name that of the, the fucking title, book was Mafia. Yeah, Mafia. So I have
3: to go to them and go take out all references <laughs> to Mafia, and they go to Francis Four Coppola, and he goes, Oh yeah, it's only in it once. Uh, that's right. It was only in about the fucking it. script once, anyway, because it's that little of a concern. That's and yet, not what
2: the film's about. And yet, you're able to know within the first thirty seconds what the film's about. Yeah. Now, maybe again, both of us being uh, young cubs, mm. you know, we're looking at it out of context. Maybe at that time, it might have taken a bit longer for people to realize. But as soon as you watch this film today. You go okay. This is a this is a mafia film. Of course it is. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the, the everything about this film, from the dialogue to the the music to the cinematography to the acting to the, everything about it is just pitch perfect. It's, perfect. It's there. There's for such a long film. A the, the lot of the times when you watch a film, you'll see oh, you could look at, you could take that out or you could trim this. You, you couldn't trim any of this. Well, that's the, we'll we'll get to the
3: cast, or sorry, I cut you off earlier, but we'll get to the cast in a minute. But that's a perfect setup for what I was going to say, because when they saw the first cut of this film, um, Robert Evans watched it and said, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. The studio, Gulf and Western, who owned Paramount, watched mm-hmm. it and went, too long. Yeah, How are we going to show this nine times a day in the cinema? It's three hours long. Can't. It's going to be, we're cutting our times down to half. We're going to show it four or five times a day. And something, again, we didn't ever experience. Of it was normally an interval. There, there was no intermission. So Robert Evans then got Coppola to cut half an hour out of it. Mm-hmm. So they brought it 2 hours 20. And Robert Evans and the tourists, they said to Charlie Bluthorn, the head of Gulf and Western, it's now slower
2: at 2.20 than it was at 2 hours 50. Yeah, I know. And that's and that's a testament to the, the work of because Coppola. Because everything minutes. in that film has to be the way it is yeah. right now. It, nothing can be taken out of that film. It flows so smoothly. So there's so many scenes. There's so many things. But we had... Uh, we were sort of talking there about Robert Evans, or Bob Evans, as we know. Yes. Is, um, was sort of the guy, <laughs> head of Paramount, head of the movies, and a and typical Hollywood go-to guy. Robert Evans is not but just a Hollywood go-to has guy. Has prodro- produced some serious, massive big hits across his career. Yeah. yeah. Massive.
3: Because um, Rosemar- Paramount, obviously. Yeah, of course, is. but this is all him. I mean, if you go through... Like, it's incredible, actually, if you go through his time as the head of Parment. Barefoot in the Park, The Odd Couple, Rosemary's Baby, The Italian Job, True Grit, Love Story, Harold and Maud, The Godfather, <laughs> Serpico, The Conversation, The Great Gatsby. <laughs>
2: That's quite
3: dope. That's as the head. That's not him as producer. Mm-hmm. That's, That's him as the head. Right, yeah. That's him, the guy going, green light it, green light it. Yeah.
2: Like, how many did he avoid that we now know are pieces of shit? Yeah. And many other studio heads wouldn't have looked at some of those. No. On paper, they didn't... They didn't say Blockbuster. No, which is what any studio head would be looking for, but he definitely had a vision. Um, So we have we
3: do. We have a clip of Robert Evans. This, there's an amazing documentary called The Kid Stays in the Picture. It's based on his autobiography from the mid 90s. Um, If you have the opportunity to see this, please watch it, because it's fucking incredible. And Robert Evans has a unique voice.
4: Coppola make the picture on one condition that it's not a film about organized gangsters. It's not about organized gangsters. It ain't a musical, Peter. I told you the guy's nuts. He has an idea, Heavens, that's not bad. He wants to make it as a family chronicle, a metaphor for capitalism in America. Fuck him and the horse he rode in on. He is nuts, now get him out of here. Bob, I will if you want me to, but take 10 steps first. Let's not forget, he's Italian. I had less than 48 hours to make the decision. Sell it or shake hands with the devil. Coppola was announced as the Godfather's maestro.
5: The shooting in The Godfather should take several months, and the is scheduled for release sometime around Christmas 1971. So if in the next few months you see some old cars dashing around or about New York, or see a gentleman taking another gentleman somewhere at the point of a loaded gun, don't raise a hue and cry, because it's only the filming of The Godfather. But then... New Yorkers don't raise a hue and cry about that sort of thing anyway, do they?
2: <laughs>
3: Good old-timey newscast at <laughs> the end over there. Just, uh, your just guns kind
2: of, are fine. Just giving a wee kick to New York as you go along <laughs> you. Uh, So, yeah, the, the, the I mean, the, the, a lot of influence behind the scenes, and The Offer does do a great job in retelling that. Um, kind of as truthful as, as could be actually yeah retail really so albert s ruddy Al Ruddy is the guy you talked about um was being a producer so the cast then i mean we can talk about how we got to each of them but so you've got uh, the dawn um which was Martin brando um uh, quite a shocking um cast at that uh, casting choice at that yeah. time because let's be honest it is brando but his career had been faltering yeah he was winning the streetcar named desire and all that stuff had disappeared long, long ago. Yeah. And he was just, at that point, notorious of being difficult. Yeah. And uh, so this kind of revitalized his career. It kick-started then uh, Al Pacino. Big time. Uh, Diane Keaton. Tom uh, Tom Hagen, played by Robert Duvall. Of course, James Caan. Yep. Uh, John, John, Cazale. Cazale. <sighs> Can we, John Cazale. Do we go into John Cazale? I mean, we should talk him him just briefly. Okay. We have talked to him before on this podcast. We have, we have. We have. But, uh, I mean, a stage actor stage actor turned to film and he did five movies over seven years yes and there has been nobody before or since that could just have such a perfect cv he every
3: film he was in over those seven years was nominated for the best film Mm -hmm. three three of them won won. (laughs) and the other ones should have yes uh the godfather the conversation the godfather part two dog day afternoon and the deer hunter um if that's your only five <laughs> <Yeah>. you're <laughs> no, ha- obviously
2: the man would have gone on to do a hell of a lot more he would had, have. He, had he lived um but he he died uh, prematurely and uh he died like the, the deer hunter wasn't even out and he ate lung cancer yeah
3: um and he was sick during the deer hunter but like even to this day there's a great documentary about him too on youtube and Al Pacino, de niro Everyone who came along with Matt that New York sort of crew, mm-hmm. um, Meryl Streep, who he was engaged to. He was engaged to Meryl Streep. Um, sure.
2: yeah. He, of all said, he was like the actor everybody looked up to. Yeah. Dog Day afternoon performance as well. Maybe. It's incredible. We I come back to that sometime. But, yeah, we will. Yeah, so... Um, yeah and then you had talia shire as well talia shire in you know, the middle in of the, the whole fucking
3: adrian in the middle of the yep. whole mix jason schwartzman's ma <laughs> jason schwartzman's nicholas cage's ma. auntie <laughs> francis Ford name. Coppola's sister
2: yes uh so talia shire's in the two who plays an absolute blinding <laughs> connie connie is the only female of the uh, corleone family yes and also because uh, the, the thing, Corleone family, it's the the, the whole movie, the whole um, culture, very patriarchal, um, very much. This is a patriarchy, and the woman has a place. But you see, then the likes of uh, Connie's character, and also Kay, who Diane Keaton, who uh, is engaged to michael mm-hmm. that you know you see an alternative then that's starting to see a change in how uh, the women behave react mm-hmm. and uh, don't sit in their place mm-hmm. and uh, it's fantastic to see how advanced it was ahead of his time maybe 1972 well i mean in any scene that there's a female in the
3: film i've heard a lot of people talk about it being directed to women because there's a few things there's a few racial things mentioned there's a few
2: sort of well, yes, obviously. Women you take and it children out context, are allowed to yeah, be, yeah, you, you know, it, all this. Yeah. But it's it's it, based in the 40s. like it's, it's 19, Well, they were they were talking about the whole uh, storytelling is around 1945 to 1955. Yeah. It's, so you're talking completely out of context, not to be taken to uh, today's um, no. standards by any means. But, um, but even uh, the fact that it set that time, it still was being made in 1972. Yes. You know, if you had a film today being made based in 1945, you wouldn't have what you had in The Godfather.
3: Which, again, is unfortunate, but it yeah. is the sign of the times. Because it's not it? as realistic, then? It's not, no, it's yeah. not as realistic. So, but I mean, especially in 2, yeah. the females are a lot more... I, I think the females are written well in this. Yeah. Because yeah. they're part of this family and they know nothing else. That's why Kay is so curious, because she's not part of this family and yeah. doesn't know. Because
2: um, we have... Uh, that was probably one of the fir- our first introductions to Kay is at the wedding scene, at the yes. start. Yes, yes. And so... <laughs> The the, the the movie starts with uh, a very darkened room, mm-hmm. which is uh, revealed to be the Don's study or the Don's office. Mm-hmm. And you have a uh, Italian-American, um, or Italian actually, yep. gentleman trying to <laughs> ask, bonster. which
3: I thought was a word in Italian <laughs> no, for what? years. I didn't realize he was just saying, bonster, bonster, because that's his name yeah. until later. <laughs> when we when he requests his... Again, we'll talk about that in uh-huh. a bit, but he says, Call oh, Bonus." <laughs> I'm like, why is he...
2: Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Call him. Uh, so then this is, sort of highlights, the, it sets a tone for the movie because it goes straight into... You come from the dark, dark room yep. of this, um, well, let's be honest, a, a request for, for murder, mm-hmm. a request for help uh, of violence. And you go out then to the Sicilian wedding out in the garden and the sun would blind, you know. Absolutely. The dark dark to light and the darkness to light is... Can we talk about that wedding for a second? Yeah, the wedding. Is There's quite, about
3: a thousand extras at that fucking unbelievable, wedding. unbelievable, yeah. How did they corral all those people Nobody. into... Nobody's looking at the camera. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, if you were walking down Oma town centre and there was 15 people in the street, 14 people would look directly <laughs> at the camera. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: How the fuck did they and, get so
2: many people? Music going on in the background and dancing and all the things going on. It's, it's unreal. It's absolutely class. So the colour and the, and the, the <coughs> as I say, the, the blinding sun and the, the sort of orange hue of outside then, yep. in contrast to it, cuts back and forth between the, well, the darkness and the light. You're, you're doing a good job here. Gordon Willis is a cinematographer.
3: Mm-hmm. He worked on six films in the 70s and they got 39 Oscar nominations and he didn't get one. <laughs> Fennel cinematographer, William Franker, said his work is a milestone in visual storytelling. And another critic said he defined the cinematic look of the 70s. Sophisticated compositions in which bolts of light and black put the decade's moral ambiguities into stark relief. Mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola said he has a natural sense of structure and beauty like a Renaissance artist. And if you look at every scene where Brando is constructing something that we could consider to be evil, Mm -hmm. telling someone to nonchalantly, yeah, that's your job. Yeah. What he's saying is you have to go and kill this person. Mm -hmm. His eyes are always dark. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he thought it would be more sinister for a person that you're starting to grow and love, as in Brando's character in Corleone, Mm -hmm. to have this darkness so you don't see the light in his eyes. Yeah. So... He also shot the film Manhattan, and All the Presidents Men, and Godfire Part 2. But his first film, well, Beatles at Shea Stadium. No way. I swear to God, right. he was a cinematographer for Shea Stadium. Jesus. Unreal. Like? At least he wasn't the guy having to do the audio. He wasn't the guy having to do the fucking, <laughs> that are still fucking lying in some studio somewhere, his eyes bleached. Uh, but so- no, you're bang on. It, it, it's deliberately meant to look this way to influence not only the period, Mm. You know, they put in oranges in certain scenes in order to heighten the color because Gordon Willis notoriously, what he did was a person described it as he's on the cliff edge of complete darkness. Mm -hmm. He's just teetering on dark and light. There's no,
2: like you say, when we go into daylight, it's fucking daylight. Oh, yeah. But when we're in a room, it's dark. And it's not, for me, I I don't know how many times I've watched it and um, how many formats I've watched. I mean, the first time I seen it was on video. Yep. then I've seen it in DVD but it's when you get the Blu-ray and HD mm-hmm. when the black is black oh yeah that's when you really like when it does first time cut to that wedding scene it's like you walked outside and you go "Jesus, my eyes <laughs> you know, I remember so... you talking about this mm-hmm. where you were saying I hope the restoration brightens up some of them
3: scenes yeah and then they got the restoration it's darker it's darker because they couldn't restore dark. the dark
2: yeah you can't add light like, to the <laughs> dark so uh, we the first scene uh, is at the wedding and we have, um, this was the other sort of um, real life world going on in parallel to the film mm. is uh, the the Johnny Fontaine slash yeah. Frank Sinatra yeah. uh, comparisons, shall we say, or yeah. a, a, a homage. <laughs> well, <coughs> it was clearly Sinatra they
3: were talking about. It was clearly Sinatra because. If anybody ever read anything about Sinatra, you know he had ties to the mafia. What do you mean by that, Ronan? Well, he had big ties to the mafia. He had big ties to the mafia because um, Frank Sinatra fought this. He nearly beat up Mario in a restaurant after the book came out. And then when he found out the phone was coming he was like, fucking even the people who can't read are going to find out it's me. Mm -hmm. So Frank Sinatra basically got... The heads of the five families in the 50s to get him in a film called From Here to Eternity, the one with Burt Lancaster, Mm -hmm. the boys in Hawaii before the bombs dropped. Yep. He can't act. No. And he still has the balls to fight that this is a depiction of him, even though everyone knows he used Mafia connections to be in a film. It's well written about.
2: It's one of those, you know, uh, Perel Frank doth protest too much. He (laughs) he, He doth. But here's the fucking strange
3: twist to all this. There's two strange twists to this. Al Martino, who plays Johnny Fontaine, Mm -hmm. also used Mob Connections to get into The Godfather. (laughs) Of course he did. (laughs) Then the the story takes an even more bizarre twist in that (coughs) that's his story (laughs) in the film. (laughs) His story is that they used Mob Connections to get him in a film as a character and as the actor who portrayed Johnny Fontaine. (laughs) Another bizarre one is, whilst given a, a speech, Robert Evans was giving a speech in an honorary thing about Wes Craven, Uh and he had a stroke. Right, and he was in uh, Cedar Sinai in Los Angeles the day Frank Sinatra died. Right, which was in Cedar Sinai across the fucking hall from him. So the guy who greenlit the film that Frank Sinatra was so fucked off about was lying in a room across from him when he died.
2: Wow, I did not know that. That's a weird one. Jesus. So Sinatra was beyond pissed. Yeah, and we can see, you can see why. I mean, the way it's it's it, we've we've a scene with The Godfather, where you can see uh, where Johnny Fontaine comes in, but this is his first entrance. And what I love about this scene is this is Kay. Kay is the audience. Yeah. In this scene, yeah, Kay's like, "What has actually? What like? How does your family operate? How do you know? Like, it's brilliant exposition because
3: we're also as the the audience members watching going." Yeah, what, how is this this? Because yeah. if you watch this for the first time, you're going, do we know? Because it just starts with Brando sitting there and Bonasera talking to him about this mad request. And then you go
2: to this huge wedding and then you're going, how is all this? What, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is this? And so the this is Al Pacino or Michael Corleone talking to Kay um, as Johnny Fontaine appears at the wedding. And as you can imagine, it has been like uh, be like Nathan Carter turning up to wedding today. That's... Why do you think you're (laughs) Fucking Uh, Like Ed Sheeran Rocking up (coughs) And uh, everybody Been so shocked To have it But what I love Is Michael's explanation Of how they Helped Johnny Fontaine In his career Yes And how serious And basically What he's talking about How fucking violent It happened Mm -hmm. But it's all been done In such a lovely background With the beautiful Wedding captain All around him You never told me You knew
1: Johnny Fontaine Sure You wanna meet him Huh Oh, right, for sure. My father helped him with his career. He did? How? I have but
0: one. Let's listen to the song. No, Michael. This heart I bring I have but one heart to share with you. I have but one heart. That I can cling to. You are the one dream I pray comes true. Please, Michael, tell me. darling, until well, I saw
1: you. When Johnny was first starting out, he was signed to this personal service contract from the Big band and as his career got better and better, he wanted to get out of it. Now, Johnny is my father's godson. And my father went to see this band leader. And he offered him $10,000 to let Johnny go. But the band leader said no. So the next day, my father went to see him, only this time with Luca Brazzi. And within an hour, he signed a release a certified check of $1,000. How did he do that? My father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. What was that? Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head and my father assured him that either his brains or his signature would be on the contract. (laughs) That's a true story. (laughs) <laughs> it's
3: probably not the best time to tell that one Alex. Yeah. she's kind of surrounded like she can't yeah. really get out of that one it's, it's I'm key. way to the toilet it's case right?
2: face <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, but yeah I mean uh, even the wording of it and the dialogue of that you know yeah, yeah either, either one's going to be on the, on the page
3: another funny story sorry about Johnny Fontaine and Sinatra is that Martin Brando says he took the role because he wanted to piss off Sinatra right because Sinatra always complained about Brando's singing Luck Be A Lady and uh, Guys and Dolls which okay. he did sing and Sinatra was like it's my song and you butchered it so brando <laughs> held on to that head. so when mario puzo sent brando the letter saying i'd love you to be the dawn even though francis for coppola wanted burt lancaster or lancho Olivier to uh-huh. be uh vito uh puzo wrote the letter and brando read it and then started looking up what's this godfather book and then he kept finding loads of stuff about Sinatra being pissed off about it. So he went, I'll do
2: it. Sinatra <laughs> 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 beats a, a performance based on vengeance. Uh, <laughs> and so, what a performance. What a performance indeed. So, yes, we had the. This then leads us in nicely to the, the ins and outs of the business uh, and the business being mafia, but also the business being showbiz. Showbiz. So, um, a, a good example of this is uh, Tom Hagan being sent to see the director that Johnny Fontaine. Wants uh, a part in a movie, and uh, that the, night, the direct, yeah, he's that, like, that "You're that going night. night." So it's one of those things we should point out, and this is where um, we, as society, learned an awful lot about Sicilians and stuff. Mm. So in the start of the the uh, at the the movie, the request that comes in, um, one of those things, if you approach the dawn of a family on the day of his daughter's wedding, yeah, and ask for. Uh, a, a request mm-hmm. usually means somebody being whacked or so, mm-hmm. or somebody being uh, influenced uh, that he cannot refuse. Yeah, but you will be in his debt. Uh, so this was uh, Tom Hagen, then, who played by Robert Duvall. Again, another absolutely perfect casting and brilliant. Cast. brilliant. He is consigliere. Mm-hmm. Again, another term we had no idea what the fuck No it was. clue who what it was and what they did. He basically is their counsel. He's their <coughs> legal counsel. Yep. Uh, we hear the story later on of how Tom Hagen became uh, part of the Corleone family, and it was um, it never gave any depth to it. It Just said just he was, Sonny, ado- he was adopted sort of thing. F- Sonny he found on, him on the street yeah. and they ended up being part of their family. And they were he a he was raised as a Corleone. Raised as a Corleone, yeah, but his name was Tom Hagen. And so Hagen is sent to meet Mr. Waltz, who is the director. (laughs) The fucking...
3: Mo Green is based on Bugsy Siegel. Jack Waltz is based on every Hollywood producer that's ever lived. But what a fucking performance by John
2: Morley. Because he's only in the film...
3: Is it even five minutes?
2: If even that, he's two scenes. And then, of course, maybe the most iconic scene um, uh, that has lingered for decades. Decades. decades, we'll, But we'll we, will,
3: we will get to that. But what I have to say is, out of all the unbelievable lines in this film, mm-hmm. some of them can literally make you cry. <laughs> this exchange between Tom Hagen and Jack Waltz is my favorite in the whole film because, well, you'll see.
5: And uh, what favor would uh, your friend uh, grant, Mr. Waltz? We're going to have some union problems. My client could make them disappear. Also, one of your top stars has just moved from uh, marijuana to heroin. Are you trying to muscle me? Absolutely not. No, look to me, you smooth-talking son of a bitch. Let me lay it on the line for you and your boss, whoever he is. Johnny Fontaine will never get that movie. I don't care how many Dago, Guinea, what Greaseball, Goombas come out of the woodwork. <laughs> I'm German-Irish. Well, let me tell you something, my crout-mick friend. I'm going to make so much trouble for you, you won't know what With hit you. the walls you. come a lawyer I have not threatened. I know almost <laughs> every big lawyer in New York. Who the hell are you? I have a special practice. I handle one client. Now you have my number, I'll wait for your call. By the way, I admire your pictures very much.
0: <laughs>
3: so, <laughs> like, the more times me and Cormac, my brother, would say to each other, my Kraut Mac friend. <laughs> also, there's a scene later on where Clemenza just nonchalantly blunt, like sort of brushes off Sonny. He goes, What about Polly? And he goes, Oh, you won't be seeing him again. <laughs> <laughs> now when anybody dies, Cormac or I will ring each other and go, You won't be seeing him again. <laughs>
2: it's just fucking brilliant. So we, we wanted show to show the follow-up then, because again, with this performance <coughs> is fantastic. And I know yeah. your people are going, what, you're not showing more Brando or more Pacino, but this is just... And it's this is why sort of...
3: this film, because there's so many nods to things that they don't even talk about again. Mm-hmm. They don't show you, they don't reference. They talk about family members and people that work for them that you never see in the film. That's mm-hmm. why this hits that wee bit harder, because everything doesn't have to be explained over and over and over again. Yeah. You like asking more questions about something. Or...
2: What I love about this is the rule of three. Mm. so there's been three visits mm-hmm. first one is we, we would like your help Aye. second one is you know where we are now Aye, you you're still not going to help you better be helping okay third one is and well, we'll come to that day. <laughs> well,
5: should ask me anything else but this is one favour I can't give well, he never asked a second favour when he's been refused the first understood you don't understand Johnny Fontaine never gets that movie I'm going to run him out of the business. Then let me tell you why. Johnny Fontaine ruined one of Waltz International's most valuable protégés. For five years, we had her under training, singing lessons, acting lessons, dancing lessons. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on her. I was going to make her a big star. I had him all over the world. And then Johnny Fontaine comes along with his olive oil voice and guinea charm. She threw it all away just to make me look ridiculous. And a man in my position can't afford to be made to look ridiculous. Now you get the hell out of here. Thank you for the dinner and a very pleasant evening. Maybe your car could take me to the airport. Mr. Corleone is a man who insists on hearing bad news immediately.
2: Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm -mm. What's
3: then? Leads uh, us to... Khartoum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking...
2: He names the horse cartoon, like. Yeah, I know. So uh, we had seen his beautiful horse. Yeah. Uh, lovely horse. and uh, <laughs> Great horse. <laughs> so the next scene then is probably... Uh, <coughs> at the time, I can only imagine what happened in 1972 in cinemas when this first was shown. It must have been so horrific. This is 40 it's minutes still, in, like. It's still horrific to this day. Mm-hmm. But it's only forty minutes in, and uh, Mister Waltz wakes up, and he has a unexpected guest in his bed. Yeah, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Per cartoon, per cartoon. <laughs> so, then, but then now uh, it's it's entered the lexicon. It's entered our vocabulary. Now we talk about a horse's head. You know exactly where it's where you're talking about. You're yeah. talking about the Godfather. The Godfather scene.
3: We've heard, we've watched half an hour of Don Corleone re- receiving requests from people. We sort of get a hint at the business. Michael's told Kay the story. We know what we're in for. Mm. But n- you're never prepared for the horse's Nobody head.
2: Nobody is prepared for the horse's head.
3: He literally blows up after a two-minute conversation, which you've just heard. He sends Tom Hagan back to New York. He's not ringing fucking video. Mm-hmm. He's not He's not emailing them. No. Nope. This is the fucking 40s. Yeah. He gets back to New York, and the next morning, the fucking horse's head <laughs> is cut off <laughs> and placed in a man's bed. <laughs> It's
2: fucking terrifying when there, you think about it. There's a great uh, bit on the uh, DVD extras that talks about how they how they sprung it on the audience. Yeah. The way because the music initially the initial score was too sinister and the audience were expecting something bad to happen. So what they did was they melded it. There's two pieces of music happening together at one time yep. and the two pieces are one is lifting it a wee bit. Mm-hmm. And so the audience is like, oh, this is lovely, nice. Sun's rising in the morning and it's a beautiful, yeah. you know, the next thing then is the horror. That it's building underneath it. Yeah. The horse's head is real.
3: Yes. <laughs> As we find out. In, they uh, got it from a dog food company, which <laughs> makes you think, what the fuck are they putting in dog food? Yeah. Um, if you Horse. notice beside his bed, there's an Oscar because he's a big time movie producer. Mm-hmm. It's Coppola's Oscar for Patton. Ah, okay. Didn't sitting on that. the bedside. Right. John Marley, the actor, mm-hmm. did not know that the horse's head was real. So the first take mm-hmm. is what you see in the film, because mm-hmm. he roars the fucking house down because <laughs> he couldn't believe that they would put real blood and a real horse's head in the bed, which is what they did. <laughs> and the reaction then pays off, and it fucking
2: pays for itself. <laughs> so um, then that that that's our that's our a very very clear indication. Uh, of the level of violence that is possible coming from this family but what makes it so violent you see the whole the sheen of them yes
3: what makes it more violent apologies Mm -hmm. for
2: cutting you off is
3: it jumps from that scene to like a fade cut Mm -hmm. to Brando just sitting in the living room yeah
2: Back in New York, that's what I mean. It's the it, the, the the facade, of and they don't them. talk. They don't reference yeah. it again. The, the three piece suits and others. Yeah. They're all very business like and all. Yep. But then you really—that's the first time. Even though Michael Carleone had given us that uh, speech at the early uh, part of the show about yeah, the, uh, Johnny, but that's all bravado. Been, You're just going. He just said that to get what he wanted. But the he, ho- the horse's head. There's you talked about pre and post Godfather. There's pre and post <coughs> Horse's Head. Yeah, there's. Before that, you were like, oh, okay, this might be, and they're like, oh he's an shit, old cuddly a, man. Yeah. He's playing
3: with a cat. You know, <laughs> he's got a
2: fucking <laughs> cat and all. He
3: shouted at Johnny yeah. Fontaine, but he's funny. He's yeah. being funny. It's his daughter's wedding. He loves everybody. Horsehead, mm-hmm. no, Horsehead,
2: and then that's when that's when you you realize what you're dealing with properly. Then yeah. So um, we we we've got loads of different arcs in this. There's loads of different storylines. One of the main ones, obviously, is Michael Corleone. Michael um was deemed as, what would you class as an outsider in regards yeah. to the, the the normal mafia heads. He was the one they were looking forward to being different, different. and to being legitimate, if you yeah. want to call it that. But he was the smart one. and <laughs> He's and, just back from the war. And I think then he, 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 yeah, well he upset most people by going to the war in the first place because yeah. they weren't expecting it. Um Don had definitely, uh, Don Corleone had lots of ideas of where he thought Michael would go. Mm-hmm. But that's a great uh, story in itself of the expectations Mm-hmm. If you think of the the appropriately named TV show Succession, mm-hmm. it is that same vibe of the head of a family wants to have the right person coming through, and there's early telltale signs that it was going to be Michael. Yeah, it's and um, Sonny played magnificently by Jimmy Kinnan. Who was meant to play Michael? Who was meant? Who wanted to play? Yes, right, audition for Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonny is too hot headed, as we see. He's too volatile. There's a temper there. But by fucking nose, <laughs> Even because he... You, when he you, bites the knuckles. Yeah. When he finds out
3: that Connie's got battered by Carlo and he bites the knuckles. I but always go, on,
2: what? But even on Connie and Carlo's wedding day, you know where Sonny stands. Nah. <laughs> fucking about upstairs. Upstairs, foot and with a bridesmaid. foot And uh, yeah, so Sonny isn't going to be the, the uh, successor. Fredo, played by John Cazale, is going to be um, totally bypassed you know it's clear to see even from his first introduction he's soft he's Mm -hmm. very introverted very civil sort of guy so he doesn't have what is taken but there was a darkness to pacino and darkness to michael corleone from from the start even when he is at that wedding yeah those dark eyes uh i have a great photograph obviously it was a photograph um it was a poster put out but it's a poster of the four um Brando uh, Pacino is that the black and white one they're all together yeah. but Pacino's cap is down yeah and his eyes are completely covered so yeah. you don't see his eyes and I was like oh that's that's completely on purpose the dark, darkness purpose. is forming we um,
3: we'll, clearly we're going to have to talk about the scene with Michael but in the build up to the scene yeah this is just post the wedding this is actually what I've just talked about Tom Hagen Sonny and Vito are talking about getting into business with this guy called Salazzo, mm-hmm. the Turk. Yeah. Basically just to start the whole drug fucking narcotics cr- were it, starting it, to it, flood. It, in, it yeah. was starting to. So to do well, it Well, they through, were starting to realize how much profit there was. Absolutely. So in that scene, um, what is set in play is agree with this guy. Get the Italian and Banzini family involved with the drug trade. Corleone's are on board. Everyone's good. Corleone rejects it. It sets the rest of the film up. Yeah, Everybody else is and against it, Corleone.
0: And again,
2: it's sort of shone light onto the Corleone family and how they they have operated. Um, Obviously, we, we, we get to see in part two how much so, but with political uh, influence, uh, which means he had judges and, and police captain captains and, and uh, senators in his pocket. So that was the initial request. And that's also when you realize then that out of the five families, Corleone is the most important when Uh, they the most influential definitely yeah when they are coming to him asking for his influential and political connects in order to protect him and he refuses them, we then get the the uh, assassination attempt Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't I don't know if you you mentioned oranges earlier on Mm -hmm. there is definitely something um, I can't remember now but there's something about an orange appears every time there's the actual fruit orange is is, somebody's about about to die yeah and uh, which again, it's not until you uh, have rewatched it many times you go, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. And there's something about if if somebody's made a drink, <laughs> if somebody has been made a drink by, if it was if I it can't was, not remember if it was something... about if somebody made food in this film, the whole fucking there'd be nobody <laughs> yeah. left at the end of it because yeah. they eat all oh, the yeah. time And uh, so that yeah, so that assassination attempt then. So you've got uh, Perfredo, yes, who, Fredo, who Paulie, who is Vito's driver, mm-hmm. is out sick.
3: Now did you know that De Niro was meant to play Polly? No, didn't know that. This is a good one because what that would have set in play was that De Niro would not have been able to play Young Vito mm-hmm. in Godfather Part 2, mm-hmm. foregoing winning an Oscar, yes. being the first character to win two Oscars. Brando won for right. Yeah. But what it, what it meant was uh, in the offer it, it's briefly mentioned, Pacino, they fight for Pacino. Mhm. Basically, Coppola won a Pacino from the start. Once Al Ruddy saw him and Robert Evans saw him, they went, okay, we're on board. We understand he's important. The studio were fighting it. Yeah, the heads did not want him. They didn't want it. Sorry, I said Evans. Evans didn't want him. Apologies. Evans was fighting him. Mm -hmm. Evans was like, I'm not convinced this guy. Because Michael in the book is a tall, blonde war hero. Yes. He's not a fucking five foot dark. <laughs> but what, again, another element that's important about this film is there's Italians making it and Italian starring in yes, it. It those. rarely happened in cinema. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, there's a lot of Jewish people playing fucking gangsters. Yep. Come here, see? All this nonsense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there wasn't real Italians. So Francis Ford Coppola is writing and directing. Al oh, Pacino's starring. This is big. Mm-hmm. So Pacino basically was meant, they're fighting for him. So he goes and says to them, um, I've just signed on for another film called The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight. So then Evans has to, against his own fucking will, because he didn't want him in the film anyway, he? Mm-hmm. he has to go to MGM to fight for Pacino to get out of the contract for this other film. But suggests that they have this other kid who's meant to play a part, Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. who ends up playing Pacino's part in The Gang That ah, Couldn't okay. Shoot Straight.
2: Right, I didn't right
3: that was Pacino's so then part. Polly becomes available. So this guy takes on Polly's role, Polly being Vito's driver out sick fredo has to drive him fredo can do fuck all useless he <laughs> drops his gun and fumbles his gun trying yeah. to get out of the car
2: and the dawn takes and six Don caps, caps takes
3: in the ass heaps of fucking bolts to the back of the ass he's lying on the ground all bloodied up and Fredo's sitting there crying <laughs>
2: so you're immediately going fredo fucking fredo and it's quite a game if you're <coughs> if you're watching it for the first time it's quite an early shock it's a it's 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 sorry when i want to say early shock i mean it's quite early after the horse's head yes you've, you've got this you're like what the dawn you know so it's and then this is where you see uh the journey of michael then because the dawn has been uh, attempted to be assassinated michael then um, comes back to the family home um he's still with Kay, mm-hmm. but he comes back and he wants uh vengeance he uh you could sort of tell from Sonny he doesn't have that respect for him. He doesn't, you know. He doesn't he believe he him. doesn't believe he's going to have the ability to do anything to, 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 be, to even take that role on. Uh, but here we have, we talk about the food. So. Uh, well, we've got,
3: Michael goes to try to look after his father and he finds that even the cops are in on this. Yeah. So it's deep. Mm-hmm. He gets a fucking bust to the jaw from McCluskey. McCluskey. The, Sterling Hayden. Yeah, the police captain. Sterling Hayden. Um. Is brilliant, but Sterling Hayden in this is minimal, but he's memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pacino then actually wired his fucking jaw shut. That's right, yeah. He really wired his wired jaw shut yeah, in order to, to
2: play with a broken jaw. And he's back at the family home now, so he's back at home. Either he, they're he's they're, pissed, they're trying not only to figure have out, they tried to kill his dad, yeah,
3: he's got a Hayden, the cops are in on everybody's against him, and he is starting. We're
2: starting to see what Michael Corleone really is, yeah. But in the middle of this, then you have the lighthearted thing of. Listen, here's how you cook. (laughs) Here's a little bit of cooking. (laughs) This is what you make. So he's just off the phone to Kay and uh, Clemenza is cooking and uh, it became like a recipe then that everybody knew off by heart. It's Yeah. Hey,
5: Mikey, why don't you tell that nice girl you love her? I love you with all my heart. If I don't see you again soon, I'm going to (laughs) die. Come over here, kid. Learn something. You never know. You might have to cook for 20 guys someday. You see? You start out with a little bit of oil. And you fry some garlic. Then you throw in some tomatoes, tomato paste. You fry it, you make sure it doesn't stick. Mm -hmm. You got it to a boil, you shove in all your sausage and your meatballs. And a little bit of wine. And a little bit of sugar. And that's my trick. Why don't you cut the crab? I got more important
2: things for you <laughs> There's Sonny, oh, any cool. game. Yeah, just cut the crap, Commands. Do, do we have do
3: we have a thing of Sonny as well? Talking to Michael after my yeah. Michael's basically sat in the room and went I'm going to be the guy that's going to take out...
2: Yeah, they're trying to figure out how are we going to get this revenge. They try to kill our father. Can't send Sonny.
3: Yeah. Sonny's Everybody knows he's blow, fucking yeah. going to blow up. Can't off send it. Fredo. He'll drop the fucking he'll drop gun. gun. Can't send Clemenza or Tessio because they're
2: fucking henchmen. Tom they Hi- know what they're going to be doing. Tom Hagen's the clean man. He has to be captain because he's so a lawyer, so there's nobody else. But they, but they wouldn't even consider Michael. Yeah, they they, they, they they would go to Connie before they are going. to... <laughs> the, per, per, perfect yeah, man. exactly. Yeah. Uh, Michael is the least likely candidate and... Uh, he decides to let Sonny and Tom Hagen know that, yeah, he's up for it. And uh, Sonny's reaction is, <laughs> is unreal.
5: Hey, what are you going to do? Nice college boy, huh? They want to get mixed up in the family business? Huh? Now you want to gun down a police captain? Why, because he slapped you in the face a little bit? Huh? What do you think? This is the army where you shoot him a mile away? You got to get him close like this. And bada-bing! You blow their brains all
2: over your nice cyber league suit. Come in, <laughs> <laughs>
3: So uh, yeah, Michael never gets a fucking. No. But you gotta say to yourself, with all those sort of hardships and all the lack of expectations on Michael, it builds him to be a stronger lunatic. It does. It
2: does, and that's you know you can see the the light in his face at the first wedding scene, getting to the, until he gets to that part when he's telling yep. Tom Hagan and Sonny, "I'll do it." Mm-hmm. The dark you can, as Pacino, you can see the darkness in his face. The yep. eyes are like. It's unbelievable the transformation has faced, mm-hmm. even though you know there's no prosthetics, there's no nothing. It's just the emotion has changed, and mm-hmm. it's like the feeling has drained out of him. He's starting to come like a fucking sociopath, like yep. it's real. Uh, it's a it's an <clears throat> f- amazing transformation. Um, so then uh, we 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 see then that um, Pacino, and again another great tense moment it doesn't do justice on audio, is the uh, actual assassination. Where the diner scene is, the just, diner scene has been—it's it's been, been set up, so it's been set up for uh, Michael to go in, and there's a gun taped behind a cistern. There's the, a gun
3: taped behind the cistern, but also they only find out an hour and a half before where, where the it's gonna meeting's going to take yeah. place, so that nobody could do something like this. Mm-hmm. And remember, James can. The phone rings. They're mm-hmm. all tense because they don't know where it is. They're all sitting around the table. Everybody's biting nails and nervous and knocking knees and all this shit. And then James can gets up, walks what feels like a an hour to the phone, answers it, and gives it the, uh huh, all right, puts it down, walks another hour back, and you're going just fucking shout from the phone where it is. We're running out of time, and he goes, it's going to be in Louis Danner in the Bronx, and you're like, fuck me, man, you got to get the gun to the fucking hurry up, come on, we're under pressure here, Jesus Christ. But then what happens? Is one of the most incredible fucking scenes you'll ever see in any film ever. Yeah. This, to me, was as shocking as the horse's head because the train going by, Mm -hmm. the Italian dialogue that isn't subtitled, and Coppola says the reason he didn't put subtitles up is because he wanted you to keep looking at Michael's face and Mm -hmm. watch him getting more and more focused, more and more nervous. Mm -hmm. They set it up with the precursor of once you shoot them, shoot them both twice in the head and just drop the gun by your side and yeah. walk away clemenza's
2: uh ex- explanation beforehand explains what to do and, uh, and how to assassinate without you don't want them to know that you don't have a gun but you also don't want them to think that you uh you did that you're unarmed there so yeah. plus if you just casually walk away in the mix of it all nobody's going to notice you yeah uh i loved uh, it sort of was explained in the offer as well i loved what they did with the taping of the gun behind the cistern where they didn't put it
3: Yes, where Pacino thought where it was. Where he
2: thought it was going to be. So the searching that you see in the scene is real. And so that adds so that tension. You're like, oh, fuck, they didn't get there in time. or mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what's going on. So uh, again, another iconic scene that just um, was, uh, again, pitched so well. And quite brutal <coughs> when you think of the, how Very. McCroskey was shot. And uh, the sort of the, the the gore and the blood. Well, if you take basically what what, what happens,
3: this sets up the next part of the film,
2: Yeah, which is Sicily. So, yeah, I imagine this is where intermission would have happened. Yeah, you're right. It would have opened up then with um, Michael has basically, he's received a letter from the government. Mm -hmm. He's on the run.
3: He's on the run. (laughs) And within two minutes, he tells everybody he's a Corleone and he's from America. (laughs) Michael, shut the
2: fuck up. They know you're American. So Michael's had to go on the run in Sicily. And when he's there, then he falls in love with Apollonia. No. It's a very...
3: No. We're gonna to have to take a wee sidebar here for a second. <laughs> when I was a child,
2: uh-huh.
3: um, basically we had a copy of The Godfather on the videotape on the video r- recorded from the television, uh-huh. and me and my brother used to watch it a lot.
2: Uh-huh. Was there a particular scene you may have watched? No. This, a horse's is, head this one. is hard to say <laughs> because in doing
3: research for this podcast, which we've been doing for a year. Mm-hmm. And I've ended up with 128,000 words. <laughs> I came across the name of Apollonia. Mm-hmm. Her mother, or her daughter, by the way, also plays an Italian sex bomb in the film The Americans. Oh, okay. okay. But her her daughter is in her 30s when she does that. Mm-hmm. Apollonia was 16 in this film. 16? 16. 16. Right, I did not know that. Which is fine for me to look at when I'm fourteen.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then for me to look at after that, no, it sort of ruined Apollonia for me
2: because mm. now you've just ruined Apollonia for me for everyone.
3: You? Yeah, yeah, she was sixteen.
2: Okay, and she gets it out. She does. Yeah. So we'll move on swiftly. Sicily uh, is a Cicely small part was, in the film. Yes, yeah, very, very small part. but don't <laughs> talk about it. Uh, but on uh, again, it's kind of like I'm uh, it's a mini movie. It is a mini movie. You, you, you get to see in the space of 10 to 15 minutes, you get to see somebody um, seeing somebody love at first sight, talking their father until they get yep. married, getting married. And yep. then we get to an assassination attempt on Michael, which leads to <coughs> and it's just so fast paced and so quick. It's it, it, and again, another shock. Yeah, you know, and that's why I think, you know, it's you've got the Godfather, obviously, part one, part two. But within the godfather you have part one and part two you do and this is what a start to part two um you've got this such as uh, uh, you know what exp- explosion it's a car explosion yes. no spoilers obviously um and it's such i did not did not see that coming no when i even when you know that um uh, what they call one that? of the henchmen's one walking the away walks away and, looks and keeps looking this. back at him you're I going still wasn't i thought yeah. there was a rifle shot coming to come or something you know was not expecting that um so then and then I, I i loved what the film did then was just it just jumped to a year later yeah you know kind of just michael's now uh, in new york and he just goes to ck he and she's like when were you back he was like hey, a year ago and you're like what what how, how long was he in sicily i don't i don't he's know been he's been gone for like a year a while, and a half yeah
3: and then just decides to rock up one day he rocks I, up in the car and he's yeah. like here
2: you fancy hop on the board again, just for the That again, that's sort of highlighting that sort of misogynistic patriarch thing of like, uh. I'll just leave her waiting, and I can turn up whenever I want, and she Plus her. now I'm a psychopath, and now I'm an actual, and I've been married already. Cold blood killer. Yeah. Beforehand I was killing for the army. Now I'm killing for <coughs> yeah. olive oil. So. It is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> until he mentions it at the end when they're in the casino you forget that they're in the olive oil it. <laughs> what Look, that's,
2: they're, that's the official business uh, so yes Michael um, but just so Michael's, Michael's well, on Michael's on the run and obviously uh, back in New York things are getting tense because you know if you're in the families the, the, you know who carried out the assassination of the police ch- uh, captain mm-hmm. but um, and at this point we've also lost another member of the family we've lost another member of the family which again is one of the most <laughs> shocking scenes uh, I, I still in, can't I still
3: can't watch Tom Hagen and Vito talking to each other when he tells him about Sonny. It gets me weepy every fucking time. So heartbreaking because Brando is just perfect.
2: Yeah, Sonny, we've we've sort of skipped over a bit we shouldn't because there's such a key couple of key scenes. Obviously, the beating that he gives um, uh, Connie's husband Carlo. Carlo, Yeah, Uh, and again, the backdrop to that did you see in The Offer is. Just adds a whole new dimension to it when you watch it. And true as well. And true, Uh, but the the actor who played Carlo actually hit, yeah, Talia Shire a few times during rehearsals. Who is
3: Coppola's sister? Hmm. So instead of going to his sister and going, "I'm firing this guy," he go he goes to Jimmy Can and goes, "He actually hit my sister in rehearsals," you know, in Can. Kicks, the blue fuck. Yeah. <laughs> there's things being hit at him and thrown at him where they were not part of rehearsals. And <laughs> But there's a notorious punch pull in that scene mm-hmm. where it looks so obvious he didn't hit him.
1: But every
2: other slap lands. Oh, every other one. Really yeah. lands. Proper. Uh, so that was, <coughs> you know, and, and in the movie, you are you're, you're you have this different, not a different light and sunny. You, did, you knew how violent he was, but it's also that family thing. Yes. It's my sister. And I'm going to be well, you here. Know.
3: You've set it up, aren't you, again? Jimmy Kahn. Not a big star at that point, no. but on the rise. Mm-hmm. A lot of his biggest films came after this, so he became one of the biggest stars in the world. James Caan was known to hang out with Carmine Persico, who was known as The Snake, a notorious mafioso and head, later after Joe Colombo passed away, head of the Colombo crime family. Government agents briefly mistook Caan, who was relatively unknown at the time, as an aspiring mobster. His own son, Scott Caan, the actor. Mm-hmm. His godfather is the Colombo crime boss, as we speak. Right. Um, in the book American Desperado, John Roberts claimed that James Cann greedily snorted an entire cache, a stash of cocaine, while sailing with models. Cann was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for this film. He competed with Pacino and Duval, which mm-hmm. is the reason none of them won the Best Supporting, because it split the vote. Right, okay, yeah. Cann was closely identified with the role for years afterwards. <laughs> this is his quote, brilliant. They called me a wise guy. I won Italian of the year twice in New York, and I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I was denied in a country club once. And he says, oh, yeah, the guy sat in front of the board and says, no, no, he's a wise guy. He's been downtown. He's a made guy. And I thought, what? What the fuck are you on about? I'm Jewish. I've never been in the mafia.
2: <laughs> That's how good his portrayal was. That's how is. good. Uh, so, Persone then, has been set up. We figure out later <coughs> on that uh, Carlo has set him up. And uh, he is uh, assassinated, in gunned down the in most the most fucking horrific, brutal way—an way, uh, absolute massacre. And kind of, kind of reminiscent of what the old gangster movies would have been. Yeah, there was you know where the it Tommy was guns ridiculous amount of bullets and yeah. ridiculous amount of shooting, but um, yeah, it, it was very clear that they, they did not miss. They didn't, and it miss. was quite horrific and gory. Which again, for 1972, was you know. Um, out there for such a mainstream big blockbuster but movie but again
3: mainstream blockbuster movie you do not see that scene coming no because we're just anticipating that sonny's going in to fucking batter the shade of the and think, possibly yeah, put a bolt in him this gonna, time he's going to kill
2: him this time you're thinking right that's what is what happens here they try to raise the tension and they raise it up you're not expecting that happening so we cut then to uh michael is still in sicily sonny has been assassinated and uh the dawn decides to come uh, and call forward the five families. He basically is letting, uh, he's relinquishing his contacts, he's allowing them to uh, bend the ears of senators and the narcotics trade and stuff. But uh, it's still even after the attempt on his own life and even after um, losing uh, his son he still has the ability to get his point of clause across very clearly and very succinctly and also you realise, oh fuck, the man still has got it. Out further.
0: You talk about vengeance. Is vengeance going to bring your son back to you? Or my boy to me? I forgot the vengeance of my son. But I have selfish reasons. My younger son was forced to leave this country because of this of business. All right. I have to make arrangements to bring him back here safely. Clear of all these false charges. But I'm a superstitious man. (laughs) And if some unlucky accident should befall him, if he should get shot in the head by a police officer, or if he should hang himself in his jail cell, or if he's struck by a bolt of lightning, then I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. not forgive. But that aside, let me say that I swear on the souls of my grandchildren that I will not be the one to break the peace we've made here today.
3: And he was right. And he was right. (laughs) <laughs> so what he's saying is come at me but i'll come at you hard
2: mm-hmm. uh, so this basically this meeting is the uh, enables michael's return mm-hmm. and michael then can come in to take over so there's a few heartbreaking scenes in, in the lead up to this you've got tom hagan um you know uh kind of not being cast out but just michael uh looking ha- after him has a new strategy he's yeah. a new way of looking forward and uh, he, Michael can see that we're going to be heading into war times mm-hmm. and that uh, Tom Hagen is under wartime conciliary. But uh, you have the Dawns reveal then that Michael <laughs> is the one to take over. Yeah. Then you go back then to the Orange Grove and mm-hmm. um, the next scene then. So another sort of iconic scene that, again, quite heartbreaking and that is the Dawns passing. Well, just before that, the scene with him and Michael. Yes. Talking. The talking. Same and grove. Where, Same where grove. Where. Uh, it's explained to him how it's going to happen and who's going to be there. Yeah, he, he lays out everything that yeah. happens. Um, Vito knows exactly how they're going to operate and how they're going to do it. He doesn't know who's going to do it, but he knows how they're going to do it. And he explains th- to Michael, this is who. That scenario, that scene is
3: in the book. Mm-hmm. Um. So when Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola wrote that scene, they, um, it was the only note that Robert Evans gave to them after he saw the full cut of the film, he says that scene doesn't work the way you've wrote it. So they got Robert Towne, who wrote Chinatown, mm-hmm. to rewrite that scene. So that version we see is Robert Towne's portion of the film that he wrote. And he said it was. Everything was perfect, that he re- he had to read the entire screenplay, and he was running around Hollywood telling people, We do you see this fucking Godfrey film? It's going to be incredible. And people are like, nah, I've read the book. It's going to be a mess. Half the fucking books. You know, grandizing the mafia. And they was like, no, you don't Mm -hmm. understand what they've done here. A funny story about Mario Puzo. Mario Puzo won the Oscar Mm -hmm. alongside Francis Ford Coppola for writing adapted screenplay Screenplay, for The Godfather, one and two. And after he'd won two fucking Oscars in two years, he decided to try to take screenplay, screenwriting seriously. He was like, he didn't feel like he was doing a good job. So after winning two Oscars, Mario Puzo decided to buy a book on screenwriting to learn how to do it effectively. He also got paid a million dollars for writing Superman. That's right, yeah. In the first chapter of the first book he bought, it says, study The Godfather Part 1. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he
3: went, fuck this. I might know what I'm doing. No, <laughs> I think I know what I'm
2: doing. <laughs> so, yes, we uh, we then start to see, we talked about it, about Michael Corleone taking a, a darker path. Yeah, we, we do start to see, slowly, we start to see a man lose his soul. It's definitely getting very, very uh, dark, and he's becoming more and more like the dawn that we would sort of expect expect from, mm-hmm. you know, a, a ruthless crime family. I was telling Cameron this story yesterday when I was 18. I remember my
3: 18th birthday. Remember there was a record shop in the
0: Mm-hmm.
3: right beside where Pat's Bar is. It, yeah. um, we went up there, and I got for my 18th birthday, I remember the albums I got, but I got Godfather Part 1 and Part 2 in video, because mm-hmm. we had a copy of one and never mm-hmm. seen two. And it was like in a collection, like a a Paramount sort of anniversary collection. Three was part of it, but you could buy them individually or buy the box set. Besides, it's bought one and two. We're not going to talk about three. Stop it. Um, And I remember there's a quote on the back of part one, and it sort of symbolizes what you're just saying. And it was from Barry Norman. (laughs) Good old Barry. And he said, one of the greatest tales about absolute power corrupting
2: absolutely. And that's, that's Michael. That sums it up perfectly, yeah. And that is his journey you see then. Um, we're going to finish and leave you with this uh, final scene, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. or multiple scenes. But the final, the final third, in a way, um, where... The montage. The montage that cannot... Oh, fucking all montages. Cannot ever be beat. Uh, so <laughs> it you really have,
3: can't. I was trying to think of one.
2: Like, fucking... No, dusk, all there's no way of Russian fucking off, yeah. films. No, there's no way. I, like... When you see... Uh, Connie has obviously asked Michael to be Godfather to their child. Yeah. And there's so many levels. This morning, you know, so uh, figuratively and literally being Godfather, mm-hmm. then you see the vengeance being uh, carried out, which basically is multiple assassinations being carried out by the Corleone family to everyone to gets the, got. But to the background of the priest yeah. reciting, uh, I assume it's an Italian, but it may be Latin uh reciting the um the words of the mass yeah over the top of each of these uh some quite brutal assassinations some quite brutal uh including the likes of tessio well although tessio doesn't it doesn't show him it doesn't show him if, but he, we know that tessio
3: he like, was the one like video predicted the one that comes to you with the offer yep. is the one who's the traitor and so and to, tessio comes at, at at Vito's funeral to to ask yeah. michael to come and meet banzini and tataglia so we know straight off the bat michael's got a plan going
2: yeah michael and, had a plan going from the fucking orange grove it's, like it's it's early days yeah uh, Jesus. It's, it's meticulously planned not only that we also have this couple of great things you uh, include death in the in the movie clemenza's obviously is one of the most famous one um where he's uh he I don't, I can't, who's that he kills is it polly or is he killed paulie he kills paulie and uh because paulie didn't show up to work show up to work for the when the godfather got assassinated so he had to be dealt with but it was just amazing because you've got that italian family thing where yes you may be the head honcho Mm -hmm. you know you might be a hard man you might be somebody who actually puts bullets in people's heads Mm -hmm. and who will kill other men but when the wife tells you to do something yeah you don't forget to do it don't forget so he leaves the house and she says Get the cannolis. Don't, don't forget, forget the cannolis. cannolis. Yeah. So they go. They assassinate polly <laughs> He goes for a piss. he goes for a piss, Polly's shot. I mean, <laughs> the, the the couple is angle and the oh, shot is just um, uh, so perfect. um And yes, so they get rid of And the thing is, uh leave the gun, take the cannolis because <laughs> you don't want to fuck off the wife. No, we might get arrested. We might blood down. over the fucking cannolis. We, we, we don't, don't, don't care. We might get Check a life sentence in prison. But nothing compared to what I'll have to listen to from that woman if I don't bring home the fucking buns. The the montage,
3: we got to go back two seconds. Mm-hmm. We meet another character. We go down to
2: Nevada. Yes, we I go forgets, to Nevada yes. because Fredo's been in Nevada. Since Fredo's been under. I what I didn't realize until I watched in, in more recent times that Fredo was actually down there, like Michael, on the run in Sicily. From Fredo's them. down there mm-hmm. under under protection. Yeah under the protection from the one man who yep. can protect him down there. Mo Green. The... <laughs> and have to be... Outside of the family, my favourite character. He's gotta but, be. But he's up there, like, maybe even with, like, some of the family members too. He is fucking brilliant. He is absolutely
3: brilliant. He is a fucking lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. At a part in the film where you're going, there's no way we can meet anyone else interested in this fucking... Yeah. I'm tapped out. Yeah. We've gone as far as we can go. Michael's yeah. been tasked to go to Nevada. He's sitting there. <laughs> talks to his brother. Then Mo Green comes bursting into the fucking room. Mo Green's played by Alex Rocco. Alex Rocco, he's, he's like I said earlier, he's based off Bugsy Siegel, who basically developed Vegas. He's the guy that started bringing the casinos and the mob money and outside interests and big entertainment and Sinatra and fucking, you know, all the Dean Martin, all these guys to Vegas. So Mo Green is based off one of the biggest characters of American crime history. But Alex Rocco himself is quite an interesting chap because Alex Rocco turns out he was an enforcer f- for the Boston Mafia. Right. Back in the day. So his, if you go, look up Alex Rocco's Wikipedia, it's fucking incredible. But he's also, like, he was the voice as well of
2: Louis B. Mayer Sr. or Jr. in The Simpsons. Ah, right, okay. Well, we have a clip here. Um, we hadn't prepared it, but we'll play it on the way. It's when... Mo was first introduced to us all, and and, and Michael at and the same Michael. time. And I, uh, it's, <coughs> it's very easy to say that the audience's reaction and Michael's reaction to Mo are two completely different things. Yeah. But. Hey, Mike.
1: Hello, fellas. Everybody's here. Freddie, Tom. <laughs> good to see you, Mike. How are you, Mo? All right. You get everything you want. The chef cooked for you special. The dancers will kick your tongue out and your credit is good. <laughs>
3: I for everybody in the room so they can play in the
1: house. Yeah. My credit good enough to buy you out? <laughs> buy me out? The casino. The hotel. The Corleone family wants to buy you out. The Corleone family wants to
0: buy me out? No, I buy you out. You don't buy me out.
1: Your casino loses money. Maybe we can do better.
0: You think I'm skimming off the top, Mike?
1: You're unlucky. (laughs) (laughs) You goddamn guineas really make me laugh. I do you a favor and take Freddie in when you're having a bad time, and then you try to push me out. Wait a minute. You took Freddie in because the Corleone family bankrolled your casino because the Molinari family on the coast guaranteed his safety. Now we're talking business, let's talk business. Yeah, let's talk business, Uh, mate. First of all, you're all done. The Corleone family don't even have that kind of muscle anymore. The Godfather's sick, right? You're getting chased out of New York by Barzini and the other families. What do you think is going on here?
3: You think he can come to my hotel and take over?
1: I talked to Barzini. I can make a deal with him and still keep my hotel. Is that why you slap my brother around in public? Oh, no, that, that, that was nothing, Mike. Now, now uh, uh, Moe didn't mean nothing by that. Sure, he flies off the handle once in a while, but, but Moe and me were good friends, right, Moe, huh? I got a business to run. <laughs> I got to kick asses sometimes to make a run right. We had a little argument Freddie and night, so I had to straighten him out. You straightened my brother out. He was banging cocktail waitresses two at a time.
0: Players come. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right after the smogring goes, I made my bones when you were banging Chile. <laughs> that's, well, that's what's here, then that's what's the the left. What's wrong
1: with you? I leave for New York tomorrow. Think about a price. Stop it. Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. <laughs> I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. Wait a minute, Mo. Mo, oh, I get an idea. Tom? Tom, you're the consigliere.
5: Now, you can talk to the Don. You can explain. Just a minute now. Don is semi-retired, and Mike is in charge of the family business now. If you have anything to say, say it to Mike.
2: <laughs> That's when you know. Yeah. <laughs> all Who's gone in now? charge now. Yep. But, yeah, Mo Green. So, Mo is obviously linked in the casinos in Nevada, and this is the old... Uh, Not the Las Vegas Strip that we know of today. This is the old, this is the old, uh, where they they started everything in Mm -hmm. in Vegas and and kicked all the casinos uh, off. But if you think about, think about Sicily,
3: think about New York, think about Jersey, think Mm -hmm. about Nevada, how many other films are based on just those scenarios never mind them being in one film yeah exactly yeah like there's entire seasons of tv shows that are nine seasons deep that are based off just a 12 10 12 minute scene in this fucking film Mm -hmm.
2: absolutely Uh, it's there's so much going on so if you've never seen it before uh, or you're listening to this episode after the first time watch it go back and watch it about 10 15 times like we have maybe more and you'll see new things all the time you'll find out new things <laughs> Which leads me in. So, I mean, we talk, We had to talk about the the cultural effect yeah. of the movie. The movie then um, obviously has spawned uh, the careers of. It skyrocketed most of them, even the ones that were faltering, like Brando. Mm-hmm. You know, we went on to Last Angle in Paris, mm-hmm. uh, Ap- Apocalypse Now, Superman. All that sort of, Superman, all that. So, um, it really kicked off a lot of it. But it then did enter like i said earlier on about the horse's head there's been so many like simpsons have done so many references to godfather absolutely uh the goodfellas has done it you know there's been so many because we if you go back and listen to our goodfellas episode we talked about how goodfellas was uh how the world seen Mm -hmm. the mafia Mm -hmm. but the godfather was how the mafia seen the mafia (laughs) yeah that's you know the suits and the respect Mm -hmm. and the honor and the dignity and all this stuff uh but we have uh, we have a couple of clips here we have one from there's so many. Uh, I went to look and see um, references to The Godfather in The Sopranos. And it, there was like a 25 minute clip of just how many single references there are. David
3: Chase has said there's a reference to The Godfather in every episode of The Sopranos if you look hard
2: enough. Well, they they even. It just showed that Joy of Sopranos showing you the insight to the mafia and the, 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 the effect that The Godfather had. They don't even name it. No. They just say N1. Yeah. And N2. <laughs> yep. N1, they did this, and then two. You know, yeah. they don't even say the, the part. They don't even say part one. They just say N1. N1. One. One.
5: Brendan's brains are floating in his bathtub. <laughs> message job through the eye. Mo Green special. Fucking Uncle Junior. What are you talking about, Mo Green? <laughs> in one Mo today. Green's eyes got too big That's for right his thing. stomach, so they put a small caliber in his eye. Fucking Mikey
1: Palmisi does their hits. In his glasses, you mean?
2: Glasses, eyes. Why are you quibbling with me? But yeah in one the more green so that's what we talk about the montage we hear uh somebody from sopranos there mention it so the the in that montage is one of the m- most memorable deaths i suppose mm. uh in in one and sh- literally in one shot in one shot <laughs> which is more green getting shot in the eyeball uh, and if you know
3: bugsy siegel also got shot through the eye oh i didn't know that. um but alex rocco uh plays a character in the film get shorty Mm-hmm. And he's also on a massage table, and he looks up, and takes his glasses off, and starts <laughs> scratching his eye, and then puts his glasses on. And we know uh, to the Godfather. Excellent. Uh, oh, also the the christening,
2: the baby, mm-hmm, yes, is Sophia Coppola. Oh, yes, I did, I did. see that in the in the extras. Um, there's a lot of links to the family mm-hmm. in there. but mm-hmm. obviously, we'll go to part two. And we'll do. We'll talk yeah. about that in about six months time and <laughs> about six months time. no we're not going to do it in six months time we're going to do it very soon we'll do it very soon so thank you very much for listening I just we one of the other things uh again talking about how the influence in in, in movies since we have i always love this clip from you've got meal when i used to watch rom-coms when you used to watch like last week and this is uh from tom hanks so just sort of before influence. you play that just
3: before you play that there's a film we've talked about. The Offer, mm-hmm. it's out. It's on Paramount Plus. Watch it. It is. It is quite entertaining. It's good. Totally, to it's
2: like a ten episode thing, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That's so it. it. One movie, series. It's very, very. But good. there's
3: also a Barry Levinson film coming out now. Okay. Called Francis and the Godfather. Oh. And uh, Jake is playing Robert Evans. Oscar oh. Isaac is playing Francis Ford Coppola. Excellent. Um, and it looks like it's going to be very good. One more tidbit about the film. Mm-hmm. Luca Brasi. Yes. <laughs> Luca Brazzi is played by Lenny Montana. Yeah, Lenny Montana is an enforcer for the Colombo crime family. Lenny was sent to just look after production. <laughs> yeah. Lenny wasn't that bright. <laughs> no. Lenny's just sort of floating around.
2: Lenny's the the the, 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 the brawn, not the, not the brain. The, the,
3: this is this again is picturesque in what the casting because mm. in the offer. Lenny Montana is played by Lou Ferrigno, who yes. was fucking the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Who so
2: infamously wasn't wasn't there, a either, great actor <laughs> and didn't have a lot going <coughs> on between the ears. His opening scenes are him
3: reciting what he's going to talk to the dawn about. Yeah, all he's saying is he's honoured to be there. Mm-hmm. That's all Luca is that he his request to see the dawn is just to tell him thank you for inviting me. Yeah, this the shots of him rehearsing are literally Francis Ford Coppola sneakily filming Lenny Montana rehearsing his lines <laughs> because the guy couldn't remember a Could. fucking thing. He had two lines. Not a single thing. But if you notice as well in the book, Luca Brazzi is a complete maniac. Uh-huh. Like he has his own baby killed because yeah. it's done out of wedlock and it wasn't with an Italian. Right. Okay. He's a complete psycho. Uh-huh. So to send Luca Brasi to talk to the Tattaglia family uh-huh. before he gets killed. If you notice when he goes into that bar before Salazzo turns up, he's, covered with the glass stained of fishes ah okay so that's when the big notorious line yeah. luca Brasi sleeps with fishes never
2: noticed it in my life until i watched it reason yeah, i've never seen that i was going to look at that so um yeah so that's what i'm saying phrases like that where, yeah so their horse's head obviously but then you know mm-hmm. i'll make him an offer he can't refuse um, Luca Brazzi, always business, fishes. never personal Always business, never personal Never step outside the family um, Bada bing, fuck bada-bing, me Absolutely, so there's a lot of things So this, this was always a great And uh, Tom Hanks <clears> did <throat> a great uh, part in this And You've Got Meal Which sort of just broken down Maybe <sighs> the obsession people have yeah. I want to say people, men with, uh, <laughs> with The Godfather
5: Minus specifics, it's hard to help Except to say Go to the mattresses
1: say go to the magic... What? What does that mean?
4: It's from the Godfather. It means you have to go to
5: war. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, what is it with men... What is it with men and the Godfather?
5: Hello? (laughs) Oh, come on. Hello? Well...
0: Oh, uh, what can I... Michael, come on.
5: The Godfather is the
4: I Ching. The Godfather is the sum of all wisdom. The Godfather is the answer to any question. What should I pack for my summer
1: vacation? Leave the gun, and take the cannoli. What day of the week is it? Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday.
5: <laughs> the answer to your question is go to the mattresses. Go to the mattresses
2: that is excellent advice yeah it really is Uh, we will thank you very much everybody we will be back Um, thank you for listening and thank you for having the patience to wait for us to get off our ass and do something but uh, we will be back very soon with that but as always please do um, like and share and let us know and tag us and all that sort of you know the jazz definitely and be warned
3: we've talked about this The Godfather Part 1 is Shakespeare Mm -hmm. The Godfather Part 2 is opera Oh, here we go.